They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. I'm really excited for this episode, Elliot. That's great. I feel like I should mention here uh, at the beginning, even before we thank Jake for the lovely introduction, that I have COVID right now, so I'm not sure how what what my what my voice sounds like, uh, and if I cough a lot or sniff a lot in places that Nathan struggles to edit, then you know I apologize in advance. And also, thank you, Jake, for the lovely introduction. <laughs> you're you're dismissed. Yeah, thanks, Jake. And yeah, Elliot has COVID. That's the reason for the delay on this episode. So everyone who cried at 10 o'clock on Friday, seeing that there was not a new episode out, don't worry. Uh, this episode, I'm going to frantically edit through the night, burn the midnight oil. We'll have it to you, hopefully, at some point. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, thoughts and prayers for me, more than Elliot, I think. <laughs> no, thoughts and prayers for me, for pity's sake. Yeah, our whole home's just a really radioactive trap of. That's true. It went right. through the entire family. <clears throat> yeah, even Shadow me. got it. Shadow yeah, the dog. even even the poor dog got it. So, speak. Speaking of a worldwide plague, <laughs> this is my segue. Today we're we're reviewing Parasite, which is also does that have to do with. Does well, that have you to could, do with plagues. You could argue maybe it's about a worldwide plague, the, the plague of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's just, you know, moving right along. Yeah. So you said you've got stuff up. So do you want to do the introduction for uh, this movie? Uh, yeah. So Parasite uh, is probably more well-known uh, than it would have otherwise been been for having won the Oscar for Best Picture and actually having done extremely well uh, just in awards season, in the awards scene in general. I think it's got over 300 wins. Let me see. Jeez. Okay, yeah. Won four Oscars, 308 wins. Well, that doesn't make sense. IMDb has done something very strange here and said that out of the 271 nominations that this movie got, it won 308 of them. That's very impressive. <laughs> that is good. How good it's, it was. It's winning. It's winning. Th they made up awards and just gave it to It them. won the Heisman Trophy. It won uh, the Indy 500. That's how good this movie is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually supposed to be talking about what this movie is. Uh, it's a 2019 movie directed by Bong Joon-ho, who's probably best known at this point for directing this movie. Before then, probably better known for directing Snowpiercer. Uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture. And it's sort of, 
it's it's really hard to describe. It's Bong Joon Ho describes it as a tragic comedy, a tragedy without any villains, and a comedy without any clowns. That's a direct quote from him about this poor South Korean family. Uh, and by poor, I mean economically poor, not unfortunate, although they are sort of unfortunate. This poor South Korean family kind of infiltrating the low-level jobs that this more well-to-do South Korean family has, doing things like housekeeping and chauffeur and personal tutor and stuff like that, and through duplicitous means. That, that there you go that there, that's the move right there <laughs> yeah i think honestly it's a lot like in terms of describing its tone it's a lot like a lot of his movies in terms of it is hard to nail down exactly what it is because it's not really a thriller even though there's moments where it has sort of a thriller edge to it and honestly i it's not really all that funny for a comedy it's funny at moments but uh, since you did the intro, I'll just dive into my initial thoughts on the movie. And I think this movie is really good. I watched it before One Best Picture. It was another movie that you dragged me to. It's a reoccurring theme here on the podcast. I don't want to go to good movies for some reason. I have an issue with that. And I only want to go to good movies. <laughs> yeah. But so we went, I think we went with Ben and Mitch Neeson, I want to say. Yes. For some reason, they were there. But it was really good. I was really impressed with just how well put together the movie was. That it had so many elements that he brings together in all of these clever ways. And then it won Best Picture. And it's now the most popular movie all time on letterbox.com and also the number one highest rated movie on letterbox.com and i think it's got to be pretty high on imdb i don't know exactly what but i want to say it's in the top 50 uh top it is number 35 yeah 35 so it's very high on imdb as well and i had not watched it since that first time in the theater so watching it this week i was really Curious to see how well it held up in terms of the twists, because the story very much takes you on a ride. A lot of people say in reviews, go in blind, because it gets nuts around the halfway point. And I was wondering if it was going to maintain that level of excitement and quality for me, even though I already know how it's going to end. And I thought it did. I don't think I'm as amazed as I am, because I do think this time, I maybe saw some of the holes where in a movie as well put together as this is, it's more glaring when there's an element that you're like, I don't really know what the point of that was, or I don't really know what the reason behind that was. But on the whole, I think that this movie is really impressive. I took notes for the first time for the podcast because there were so many moments that I noticed where you have a little thing happen early in the movie and then a little thing happens later in the movie and they're connected, right? They show you something about the nature of the rich family, the nature of the poor family, and the nature of the system that both families kind of find themselves in. Right. So there's a lot to talk about with this movie regarding its narrative, regarding its themes, regarding its characters, 
the technical aspects. So I guess I'll just start with what I like about this movie. So I'm in total agreement that the, the way the narrative is structured, it has like perfectly paced reveals mm. and uh, what do you call them? Not twists, but like complications. It's yeah. never stale is what I'm saying. Like every time it feels like they're sort of slipping into a narrative groove, it'll introduce something that shakes up the formula and changes the dynamic. Uh, and it really keeps you guessing. I mean, there's there's moments in here, the first time I saw this, where I thought that it was going to turn into like a full-on horror movie, that there might be like a monster in it or something. <laughs> so I think that that's really effective in keeping your attention and really well done here. And that's why I think that the, the best thing I can say about this movie or the thing that I think is best about this movie is a, probably a better way to say it is that it is extremely watchable. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of that is that another really good thing about this movie is that it's really well done. I mean, the cinematography is really sharp and tight and the lighting and the framing and the staging it sort of reminded me of like a Fincher movie or yeah. a Denis Villeneuve movie. Everything's just, just looks right, you know? Yeah, especially inside the house. The house that most of the movie takes place in is so sleek and modern. And I think the cinematography just fits. And there's so many fantastic shots where it's very static. He doesn't move the camera a ton. I think he does more push in and pull out than anything else in terms of like dollies or anything. Yeah, like you said, it's very reminiscent of a Fincher or a Villeneuve or just someone who it's a very sleek, well-done experience. I just, I wrote, I think I wrote in my notes, I, just clean. It's clean cinematography. It feels really clean. It's not really shaky. It's not handheld. It's very modern. And I think for the same reason that Fincher does it this way, it's very much trying to just show you the facts that there's a sense in which you're just an omni, omniscient viewer to these things more than you're really getting into the action of the moment or into the characters or into the emotions of the characters, that you're just viewing this story, which is, like you said, just so incredibly watchable. Story. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the problem, the problem is that this movie reminds me a lot of my least favorite Coen Brothers movies in terms of all of this adds up to something that seems like it's trying to say something really profound and intimate and revealing about the human condition or society or something. It's trying to say something about something, but it's really unclear as to what. Mm. You know, because not because it's muddled, but because there's so there's so much that's filmed in such a way or delivered in such a way by the actors that seems like it's supposed to be significant. Yeah. See, you that's know, interesting. An example, the perfect example of this, I think, is the Scholar Stone, uh, which is this thing oh, yeah. that. Uh, the main character 
whose name I've forgotten, gets. Uh, and it's this big fancy stone that is apparently a big deal in South Korea. They're like collector's items uh, because of the way they look or they might have some kind of spiritual significance. I'm not 100% sure. But when you read reviews, a lot of people go really in-depth as to what the significance of the stone is because it does show up several times and it it sort of plays a part in the climax of the movie. I don't know how much we want to spoil this if we're saying that this is a movie that people should watch and watch blind. But well, let's just a lot let's of- just say right now, from now on, we're gonna go full spoilers. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, stop listening, go watch the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So the uh, the guy in the basement uh, uses it to bash the main character's skull in. It's quite shocking. It was quite shocking the first time I saw it. Uh, and there's there's a lot of reviewers who have spun a lot out of out of that and out of the earlier moments with the stones, like the fact that it sort of represents hope uh, and it was given to this family who's very poor. And the mother even says after it's given, like food would be more useful and about how that's showing that these empty promises of capitalism or the American dream or the South Korean dream, I guess, uh, are useless and they're not very pragmatic and all that kind of stuff. But then uh, in an interview, Bong Joon-ho said, yeah, that doesn't it doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't mean any, the quote is, let me see if I can find it. The quote is, doesn't mean anything more than somebody wearing a Che Guevara shirt. Che Guevara being that Cuban. Yeah, he was Castro's like right-hand man. Yeah. Well, I would say that that would mean quite a lot if a character was wearing one of those shirts. Well, you know, that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. But I do, I do think this is a movie that definitely you can really dive in to a lot of the things that Bong Joon-ho is maybe saying about capitalism and the system of capitalism and what it creates in terms of classes and things like that. But I think like with any movie that achieves this level of just critical acclaim and being watched by a lot of people, you do end up with a lot of nonsense of people being like, oh, there's this thing and it means something like one of my favorite <laughs> examples of this is for film criticism. We had to watch psycho, the classic Alfred Hitchcock movie about a psycho killer. And when we watched it, our class professor was like doing commentary for it. And so in the first scene, there was like a fan and he paused the movie and he's like, guys, the fan is spinning. It's making a slashing motion, like a, the slashing motion of a killer. And I was like, dude, that is some nonsense. There is no chance that that means anything. And he swore it did. And to this day, I still question whether or not that means something. But I think in movies like this, where he does do a lot of stuff in terms of things that can be taken as maybe a metaphor, like the man and the wife literally living under the rich people. Like, it's very... you can take a lot of those things, but then like with any art, you can really run with it and get a lot of nonsense, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm definitely being very hypocritical here because like a movie that I really enjoy uh, is one called The Green Knight, 
which is very ponderous. It's very, uh, it's very thematic. It's definitely like a, you know, sort of a think piece that's really about what it's trying to say about the human condition, but it does, it, it makes that statement through ambiguity and, you know, it, it's not out front what it's trying to say, but I really like it because I have this interpretation of its themes that I've built up after watching it a few times. And I guess I just, it's, it's hard to describe. Like, I just don't have that with Parasite. Either I don't have the ability to figure out its deeper meanings, or I just don't have the motivation. But uh, yeah, I'm not actually 100% sure where I'm going with this. No, I think that's very fair. Because, And it's interesting you bring that up, because I think my main critique against the movie would be, one, there's some tiny things where I'm like, I don't really see what the point of this is in the larger scope of the movie. Like the young kid knowing Morse code and interpreting the guy beating out help me never comes up right like the kid never goes to his parents and is like hey the light was telling me something or like it never means anything so it's a bit of a red herring but I don't see the point in introducing a red herring this late in the game so to speak but really my main critique or the big thing I think is the issue with the movie is the movie lacks any some sort of emotional heft because I think he kind of sacrifices any interesting characterization of the people in the movie for the metaphors and the ideas and the themes he's going for. But this is somewhat hypocritical of me as well, because one of my favorite movies of all time is The Lobster, which is another movie I think a lot of people would argue sacrifices any emotional heft for a metaphor, a statement on society. The difference I think at least is I care about what the lobster is saying about society and I find it interesting and engaging. Whereas I don't care as much about what Parasite is saying, or at least it's not as personal that the lobster says something that I personally resonate with. The lobster says something that I, or Parasite says something that I think is very interesting, but I don't as much resonate with it. Yeah, that's interesting because <clears throat> the way that I find I can make myself like this movie the most is if I don't look at it like a metaphor movie and look at it sort of more as a Shakespearean tale that's mm -hmm. more about how characters from different sort of backgrounds uh, and settings how they interact and play off of each other and how the dynamics shift. I find that to be the most interesting sort of version of this movie, mental version, uh, not necessarily because the characters are super fleshed out or well-developed because to be honest, a lot of them aren't. I mean, there's not a lot of clear motivations or backstories or relationships, but dialogue is very sharp and yeah. uh, it's helped obviously by the well-paced reveals and shakeups that we've talked about. And it's just interesting to see how the characters mold themselves according to their setting. I mean, mm -hmm. if you wanted to go into the thematic elements uh, and sort of join that with the characters, 
I think that a lot of these characters are engaged in certain performances, you know, not even just the poor people, the poor family when they're interacting with the well-to-do family, but the well-to-do family is going through the, uh, is going through the motions of these, you know, the things that they think that they should be doing, uh, making this performance according to their setting. Dude, I literally wrote that down. Not that exact thing, but in my notes, I put the movie is very much about image and playing a part, even if you are rich, right? Mm-hmm. I think the, the example I put here was the different kind of how the rich people act when they find the underwear in the car and they're both like, oh, that's disgusting. Our driver's a pervert. Like, that's so nasty and whatever. And then when they have sex on the couch, they do the same thing that like they're they're using this thing to role play this thing for themselves. And that there's hypocrisy there. Right. That they're like, oh, the disgusting poor people. And then they're like, anyway, let's go and pretend we're doing this thing because we're we're better than them somehow because we're doing it in a nice house instead of in a, a gross car. Yeah, that's that's the example I was thinking of as well, but I didn't want to bring it up because that scene makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> hey, man, you didn't have to sit by Ben Neeson during that scene in the movie theater. Oh, okay. Well, Ben Neeson's character has just been assassinated. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, no, but the, the the problem with this and the problem with the movie at large is that it it, it doesn't work universally, you know? None of the I don't and that's that's really the big problem with all of the you know out of control thematic analysis is that a lot of it doesn't work universally. There's problems with all of the interpretations, there's things that don't make sense within it. And so an example of how this doesn't really work as well is the guy who lives in the basement. I mean, he's it just doesn't make sense what like what is what what is the point of in him terms of what a, is a metaphor what is he supposed to be in terms of a metaphor and even in terms of like just the interaction of different characters because we don't really know we know even less about who he is so it's even so it's much less meaningful watching them interact because the dynamic there's no exciting dynamic because we don't really understand what the dynamic is sure I and think- then when he goes he goes on the weird rampage and he honestly, he reminds me so much of Michael Myers that I, I'm not convinced it's not a reference because not only does he use the chef's knife, which is the, the knife that Michael Myers uses, but also just the way he walks. And even when he uh, stabs the daughter, he does the head tilt, you know? <laughs> Uh, from Halloween when he stabs the guy and like pins him to the wall and he does yeah. the head tilt thing. He does that. Probably is intentional. I mean, Bong Joon-ho is a pretty big movie fan. Yeah, apparently there's a lot of references to Hitchcock in this movie. I believe it. Honestly, South Korean directors really love Hitchcock because Bong Joon-ho obviously takes a lot from Hitchcock in his movies and then Park Chan-wook, the guy who made Old Boy, which is another famous South Korean movie. He has movies that are very Hitchcockian in terms of structure and stuff. 
But I would say in terms of the guy, the guy in the basement, the scene that I thought was really telling was when it was just him and the father down there. And the father's kind of like, how could you, like, how could you live like this? Like just being stuck down here. And the guy's like, well, I can't remember it not being like this. And so I think there's some sense in terms of metaphorically, I think it sort of shows the difference between the Kim family and someone who's really, truly that there's a sense in which at the beginning of the movie, the Kims are right on the brink of just losing all hope and being crushed by the system they're in. But then they get this hope, right? The metaphorical hope in terms of the rock and then the literal hope in terms of the friend recommending uh, the son for this tutoring job. And then with the conversation that the dad has with the son when they're in the warehouse after the monsoon or whatever. And he says to the son, he's like, I don't have a plan because as soon as we have a plan, like there's something to be lost there. And so I think it just sort of shows this dichotomy between the Kims who are trying as hard as they can to not have hope, to not have this thing that could disappoint them and someone who really doesn't have anything. And the only thing he had was his wife. And as soon as she dies, right, he just goes nuts and starts killing people. <laughs> Which I think, again, is where metaphorically, you're like, what is that supposed to all mean? So I agree with you. The best interpretation in my mind is just this interesting interplay between all of these characters and what they sort of say maybe about people in these different classes. First of all, that speech that you're referring to about plans <laughs> reminds me so much of Joker's <laughs> speech about plans in the dark night, you know. Uh, and the dad really is. I was thinking as I was watching this movie, like, well, this is like this could be a, a an origin story for a Korean Joker if uh, <laughs> if it was the dad. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is that I think that. Well, they're both they're both movies about society. Joker. That's and true. That's true. They're they're both movies making the the profound uh, and revelatory statement that we do in fact live in a society. Yeah. Uh, no. Then I think that what what you're setting up with the guy in the basement, it then we've got this like dichotomy between the more metaphorical interpretation of the movie and more character based interpretation of the movie, and I think that's why. Uh, maybe why he doesn't work as well in my more character focused approach because yeah. in that telling he is much less of a character and much more of just a vehicle for making this statement about uh about capitalism or society or what have you mm -hmm. and you know that sort of complicates that's the thing that complicates my ultimate rating for this movie because you know what what's which one is more valid which one which does it make more sense to take away points for something that i just don't understand or something that i just don't like i mean you know i i could sort of get into a, an existential crisis about you know what well what what am i even rating am i rating the movie based on how much i enjoy it or its objective quality or you know we could really go down a rabbit hole here <clears throat> yeah and I think this is where, just for me personally, I always go to just a very literal, like, how do I feel about the movie? 
And like, what did the movie make me feel? What did the movie make me think about? And are those good things, right? Like I can watch a really bad movie that makes me think this movie is <laughs> trash. It's not very good. But then on the other hand, you have movies like this where I am, it does have a lot of things that I think are very interesting and I wouldn't say revelatory, like nothing in here is going to change the way you view humanity or make you go like, whoa, dude, I've never thought of that before. But it's just a slightly different way of looking at it. And I think partially because it does come from right a foreign director. So it's not someone living in necessarily the exact same society as we live in. And then also just because he's a very creative director. He is very clever and he's a very clever writer. I think the screenplay for this movie is fantastic. There's so many neat little pieces that all come together. And so, I don't know. I don't want to spoil my rating, but I think very highly of this movie. And I think I lean maybe more towards the metaphorical more than the character-based. And so do you, I guess I can pose this question. Do you think on the whole, the positive reviews come from people looking at it as a metaphor or people looking at it as a character study? Oh, definitely as a metaphor. Mm. From the ones I've read, which hasn't been a whole lot, but from the ones I've read, it has been all about, you know, the what the what is this movie saying about society? What is this movie saying about economic mobility? What is this movie saying about the relationship between the between classes, upper classes and lower classes? There there's not a whole lot of talk about characters or relationships or character dynamics. Usually they're only mentioned uh, to praise the actor's performances, which I think we should also say is definitely valid. There's a lot of really good performances in this movie. Yeah, I think almost all the technical aspects of this movie are fantastic. The only exception is I don't think the music is really that great. And I think the biggest strike against the music is just that I could not hear if I heard the music that plays on the ending sequence, right, of the son writing to the father and telling him this plan, if you played me that music, there's no way I'd be able to know it was from Parasite. And I think if you show, and it's a phenomenal sequence, I love the ending of this movie. I think it's very telling that the only hope the family has is to get rich and buy the house, that there's no, there's a sense in which there's no other escape for them, or for the dad at least. But I love the ending of this movie, but the music is just such a non-factor for me compared to like the music from the ending of Interstellar, which as soon as I hear that, I see everything that's happening. As soon as I hear the music from the ending of La La Land, I see, I see the thing. And I, I just think the music in this, there's some neat moments in terms of montages with music, but I think on the whole, the music is pretty uh, blasé. I mean, there's not a whole lot of it. Yeah, but I just thought of that while watching the ending was kind of like, dang, I don't, I didn't even remember there being music. So I guess if I, if you don't have any, do you have anything else? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, he sort of, I will say that, you know, Bong Joon-ho calls this a tragic comedy. Uh, and there are some pretty funny moments. I guess a good way to sum up my feelings about this movie is that 
there's a recurring joke in the movie of the son saying this is so metaphorical. Like he says it when he looks at the, he literally says it when he gets the scholar stone. Yeah. And he says it even like as they're formulating the next phase of their plan, I think when they're talking about how to get the dad in, uh, in the door, he's like, this is so metaphorical. And it's, you know, it's played for laughs. Like he's, uh, he doesn't really know what the metaphor is. It's just like, oh, that's that's metaphorical. Like, you know, a pretentious art critic saying, uh, just covering the fact that they don't actually know <laughs> what this circle on a blank page is supposed to represent. And that's sort of how I feel about the movie. That's a, it's a, a bit harsher than what my rating will indicate, but that's probably as close to how I could sum up my thoughts about this movie as I could get. Sure. I guess I would just say, cause I don't think I've been able to hit all of the like interesting sort of things, but I do think one of the more interesting moments in the movie is when they're there, they're all at the house and the rich family is away for the camping trip. And they're kind of talking about the family and whatever. And they're like, they're so dumb and stuff. And the one one of them says, like, oh, well, the wife is nice. And the mom goes, well, yeah, if I had this much, like, I'd be nice if I had this much money. And so I think there's a really interesting idea introduced into the film and that the film sort of plays with where it's like, are they bad? Are the poor people bad for doing what they do? Or is just their situation such that they have no other choice? And are the rich people bad for being so apathetic and lazy and just offhandedly rude to the poor people are they bad for doing that or is that just sort of a product of where they are right that they're nice because they have a lot of money they're not nice because they're genuinely like following Kant's moral code they're nice because like we sort of said earlier they're playing a part they're nice because they have the money and they can afford to just be nice to people they can give nice tips they can drive nice cars, they can give nice presents. Like, does that make them nice or does that make them playing the part of a nice person in society? Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, I'm always dubious of the, it's not my fault, it's society. You know, society (laughs) made me do it uh, excuse. I think the idea that people have differing levels of responsibility for their actions based on their situation is philosophically very problematic. Sure. And I'm not saying I do think this, but I'm just saying the movie raises these sorts of questions. It does, yes. Well, and I think it's a testament to how good the movie is, is that there are all of these things that you can talk about. There are all of these ideas, and obviously it has struck a note with a lot of people. I see this movie very much as kicking off a new generation in a lot of ways of film fans that I think a lot of people watch Parasite and it was maybe in the same way that people in the early 2000s would watch like Fight Club or Pulp Fiction. And it was the first time they were watching something where they were like, dang, there's a lot to unpack here. Like this is, this is really about something. This isn't just silly spider-man shooting webs like i think this is saying something about me and like the world i live in and i think it's even cooler that it's a foreign film and so for a lot of people now it's not just like oh dang 
movie can be about so much more. It's also like, whoa, foreign movies can be really good and amazing and have all of these incredible qualities. And I think it's really dope that it won Best Picture, the first foreign film to do that. And I loved Bong Joon-ho's speech when he won Best Director at the Oscars, where he was just like thanking every one of the other directors nominated, where he's like, you guys inspired me. You guys made the movies I grew up on that I continue to make movies based on. And I think that's really cool. And I think that's just something that I find really amazing. I found that really funny because he had a bunch of, you know, prestigious big name directors uh, alongside him and also Todd Phillips. Yeah, I don't. And I think he mentioned like after he thanked Martin Scorsese, he had like a very specific sort of list of things that he appreciated and respected about uh, Martin, uh, Martin Scorsese and then he said Todd Phillips also a director who I respect moved on to the next one <laughs> yeah well that's just it's just unfortunate that Todd ended up in that company that I, may, maybe he didn't deserve so much to be oh, with the other people Nathan is, Nathan is bringing out his Joker opinion I like Joker I, whatever we're not talking about Joker <laughs> let's do rating Let's do, I think I've talked most recently. So you do your rating and then I'll do do my rating. Okay. So my rating, which may surprise people based on how much I've, you know, bagged on this movie is uh, I'm going to give it a B. Um, And I know that I have sort of been a little hard on this movie. Uh, That's just because I have more to say. I have more to say about the elements that I have problems with than I do about the elements that I enjoy. But there are more I there are more elements that I enjoy than elements that uh, drag it down for me. So like the technical aspects, which I've already talked about, the performances, I do really like the character interactions and the different dynamics. And it is a great screenplay, very well paced in terms of its reveals and just how on your toes it keeps you even on the second viewing when i knew everything was happening uh it did a great job of making sure that it never gets stale and that's why i think that it is very watchable and it is a good movie it is an above average quality movie yeah i guess i would just echo a lot of the things you said I think that, yeah, I really like this. I was kind of going into it. I kind of expected that I would like it less and I did like it a little less, but I expect, I expected to like it a lot less just because I felt like it had gotten really overrated. I mean, number one of all time on Letterboxd, better than every other movie ever. I don't, I don't know about that. And it was just, (coughs) it happens to me a lot of the time because I'm very much contrarian where I see a lot of people saying like, oh, this thing is fantastic. And I'm like, well, people are dumb, right? So how fantastic (laughs) can it be? But just from the first moments rewatching it, I was like, wow, this is really good. For a lot of the reason, the cinematography is fantastic. The screenplay is fantastic. It brings up so many interesting ideas about people and people in systems and how they fit into roles in the systems and how maybe they lose some of themselves inside those systems. But on the same coin, I think he kind of loses those people in the system of his own movie. And I think there's some elements that don't really fit. But even saying all that, I think this is a really fantastic movie for a lot of amazing reasons. Uh, 
I think it's an eight out, eight out of 10. I think it's very good, very watchable. I'd recommend it to someone who's trying to watch a foreign movie, trying to watch a good movie, trying to have a good movie night. <laughs> this movie is responsible for what is without a doubt my smuggest moment as a movie fan, where we were on a Zoom call with a bunch of our cousins and somebody mentioned Parasite. This was after it had won Best Picture. And mm. everyone was talking about how, oh, yeah, I need, I want to see that. I'm really interested in that movie, you know, now that it's won Best Picture. And I was just like, yeah, I've already seen it. Saw it before it won the Oscar. I guess I'm just cool. We did. We did. We were there before the wave. We were right. one of the OGs. We were. We were. That's the, and that's the kind of, you know, that's the those that's the people that you're listening to. That is the caliber of our of our movie watching skill. That's yeah. that's that's what that's what makes this podcast special. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do recommendations. I can go first. I have my recommendation ready. The face you just gave made it seem like maybe you don't have the recommendation. Ready. I do. It's just it was hard. Okay. Well, I'll go first. Uh, I thought about a lot of movies, but the movie that I think I would recommend is Shoplifters, which is also a South Korean movie. It was released one year before Parasite 2018. It won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which Parasite also won. And it's just a really fantastic movie. It's much more, I think it's better than Parasite. And I think it's also saying something about society, but it comes at it from a much more character-focused standpoint, that it's about a poor family who shoplift to kind of get by. They're shoplifters. <laughs> but it's much more character-focused. This director is one of my favorite directors. He makes a lot of movies very focused on family and what it means to be a family. And this is maybe... If you watch this and like me, you're kind of left wanting for a bit more of an emotional component. I think Shoplifters is a fantastic movie. There's a moment in it that makes me cry thinking about it because it's very, it's just a really beautiful depiction of what it means to love someone and be family to someone. And I don't want to say a bunch more because I think, honestly, I think people should watch this. I think it's on Hulu, but you should try and find it because it's a really fantastic movie right i think you said the word family there more times than in the entirety of the fast and the furious franchise well the movie's about family and i like family family all right what's your what's your recommendation elliot right so i uh, actually I, I i teased this recommendation at the beginning uh, oh, yeah uh because it's a coen brothers movie and so the coen brothers is one of my Together, they constitute one of my favorite directors. Uh, and their movies are, some of their movies are a lot like this, as I said. Uh, and so uh, a movie, well, it's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Ooh. Uh, and I choose this because, so first of all, uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is an anthology. So it's got like uh, five or six, I think, different stories uh, in one movie. Uh, and I choose the reason I think that it has parallels uh, to Parasite is because A, it's very well made. Technical aspects are all there. B, it has a lot of the same sort of 
not the same sort of themes, but the way it communicates its themes through ambiguity and through symbolism, I think is very similar to Parasite. I think that Ballad of Buster Scruggs doesn't necessarily do it better, but it definitely, it doesn't do it better, but I think that I like Ballad of Buster Scruggs more, and I thought it's a more enjoyable movie with more enjoyable stories, which encourages me to stick around longer and put more effort into sort of sussing out what it's trying to say. Yeah, that is a great movie. I think it's on our list of movies that we've discussed talking about on the podcast. So you really, you really love to recommend movies that maybe later down the line, it'll be helpful for you as a listener to have listened or to have watched that movie. So, well, I think I've actually watched too many movies that just overwhelms me. So then I can't think of any other movies. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. All right. Well, hopefully this episode make sense and I don't cut together sentences in a nonsensical manner but this is um, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and I think this movie is maybe saying something very similar to Elliot our, our catchphrase oh yeah you? life is hard and full of disappointments yep so anyone who was expecting an episode on Friday was disappointed whenever this episode comes out hopefully Saturday I think fingers crossed. Hopefully the delay doesn't drive away our 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 good Belgian friend Alexander de Croo, prime minister. Hopefully not. Hopefully I think if I stop seeing the Belgium listener count go up by one every time we post a new episode, I will be cripplingly depressed. <laughs> I will be very upset. I'll probably quit doing this. <laughs> all right. So let's all pray that he doesn't it's do all that. on you belgian guy it's <laughs> all on you the survival of this podcast yeah and let's also pray that everyone gets better from covid yeah like me yes like you elliot okay that's enough of that. listeners uh i'm speaking to you now from the past i've i've actually all been speaking to you now from the past this whole time <clears throat> This episode has been very difficult uh, because our internet, or I think it's, I think it's probably on my side, the internet connection has been very unstable and it keeps on dropping out. So for this episode, please rate Nathan's editing uh, and submit your comments, questions, concerns, constructive or destructive criticisms uh, to him on Instagram for how smoothly he manages to patch together all of these uh, disparate threads.